0: You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministry Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Here's the thing, people. We know that we can't have our cake and eat it too, meaning we can't have it both ways, can we? You can't splurge and still save it. You can't waste your time and still enjoy the benefits of hard work. You can't break all the rules and still enjoy the freedom of being trusted. You can't have it both ways. And so turn to your neighbor and say, I'm sorry, but you can't have it both ways. For the past couple weeks, we've been on the power of the word, how the tongue has tremendous potential, like a bit in a horse's mouth or a rudder of a ship. Meaning, if we can control it, then we can control ourselves. But we've also... Uh, We've also heard the tremendous potential that the tongue has for evil and destruction. How one false word, how one slip of the tongue could set a spark that sets a forest on fire. And and I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about, right? It could be one negative thing that you hear from a teacher or from a dear friend or from a parent that could just mess up your entire day. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Amen. So here in these few verses... James, he gets down to the moment of truth. He says, we can all use our tongues for good and for evil, but you cannot have it both ways. You can't. So today, there's only really one point to make, and you know that's not true, right? And that is, you cannot curse someone and still bless God in the same breath. You just can't. When we think of the word curse, we immediately think of the word profanity. I don't think I need to give you guys any examples of that. In fact, if you ever learn any new language, what's the first thing you learn? Let's be honest. The swear words, right? When I went to Korea, and I was just kind of traveling, but I was still learning Korean. Korean is horrible if you've ever heard the family worship. I have a hard time even saying the scripture reference in Korean. But... The first thing that my so-called new friends would teach me is, hey, David, this is how you say whenever you get mad. This is what you say. So the first things we learned is profanity and all these curse words. right? But the curse here in James, he's not just talking about profane language. Actually, it means more than that because this word, this curse, has more of an expression of hatred and of hostility. And one commentator, he put it this way, it denotes personal abuse such as results from the loss of temper in a heated controversy, personal abuse. Like, you are intentional about that person being ruined or getting hurt or something like that. So it is definitely possible, people, to curse someone in this sense, even without uttering a single profane word, okay? So don't think, well, Pastor David, I don't ever drop the F-bomb. I never say these negative and harsh, profane Words or anything to my spouse or to my children or to my friends. I never say that. But here's the thing we curse people all the time, with or without these words. We curse people whenever you talk negatively. You curse people whenever you cut someone down with your words, whenever you denounce and speak evil of someone, if you wish evil and pain upon someone, if you slander someone, if you gossip about someone, if you tarnish anyone's reputation, you are, in fact, cursing them. And it says here, you can't curse one another and still say, I love God. You can't. You can't say, I curse you, And still bless God. And what does blessing mean? Blessing God means to worship Him. It means to praise Him. Blessing God is to celebrate His name with acts of worship and praise. And so today as PJ and the praise team were leading us in these songs, we were in fact blessing God with our tongues. We were blessing God with our mouths. And yet we read here that you cannot bless God and curse one another. For it is a contradiction. It's inconsistent and it reveals a lot but where our hearts are at. Now here are a couple reasons why we should not and cannot curse one another. And this is the first point. The first is because everyone here, believer or not, is made in the image of God. So say that to your neighbor. You are made in the image of God. <clears throat> I have in my office a mug. A mug that Grace and Ada made for me. It's my... F- yeah, all right. All right. It's, it's my favorite because you can tell it was handmade. You can see the strokes of the brush my wife and child made to paint it. My daughter stamped her wee little hand on the side of it as well. It's impossible for me to see and use that mug without remembering the one who made it. James says that you and I are a lot like that too. In Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27, it says this. God says, let, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The likeness of God is etched upon our very being. This is why we have personality, we have rationality, we have morality, and beyond any of other God's creations, we are the only ones that possess the attributes of reason, will, and conscience. We have the ability to know God, the ability to serve God. We have the ability and the capacity to be conformed to God's moral and spiritual likeness. You are unique. You see, God made us like him in that we can love and we can think and we can act on moral principle. We are people. We are persons. We're not robotic. We're not automated. We can and we can will and we do know God. And the problem isn't that humans just tend to lift up humanity and exalt the human race higher than it should. On the contrary, the problem is this, is that these humanists, tend to reduce people and reduce men and reduce women and reduce children less than what we are. It's interesting that though God is to be most supremely and highly exalted, that the Scripture's view of man is actually much more highly exalted than the humanist view. In fact, think of PETA and other kind of crazy people like them. They reduce people to that of just animals, and they exalt animals to that of people. By the way, I love dogs, okay? I have nothing against pets, but if I had to choose between saving the life of a dog or a person, I would save the person, and the fact that I have to even say this in this day and age is astounding. We are image bearers of God, people, every single one of us, Christian or not. You have the mark of the creator. How amazing is that? You are not some accident, people. You are not some arbitrary, created, exploded thing that just emerged from ooze. No, no, no. The Lord, the king, the creator of all things, the Lord of all creation has made everything but is upon your heart in your life, where you bear his image. You. We are image bearers of God and his handprint is all over us. We love and we hate and we think and we reason and we make choices. We act all like our creator because we were made in his likeness. But with that deeply profound and beautiful truth is that this, is that sin messed up everything. Because of sin, we become image bearers, yes, who are in rebellion with our Creator. And so we've been broken and fractured in our fellowship and fractured in our relationship, and we've been twisted and distorted and made useless to God because of sin. And we cannot do anything in and of ourselves to make this right. So no, guys— Just quitting smoking isn't going to bring you back to Him as much as you think, as taking control over your lives. No, reconciling with your estranged family isn't going to bring peace between you and God. No, getting joy and succeeding in life isn't going to restore you back to God's good graces. Sin has marred us from the inside out, meaning this we need someone to recreate us, we need someone to make us new. We need total transformation, not just some behavioral changes. We don't need a therapist to whip us back into mental and emotional shape. We need a Savior to save us from our sins. That's what we need. But even in all that sin of ours, this is the amazing thing. Our image of God as bearers of God's image still remains. If my mug that my wife and my daughter made fell off the table and break into several pieces, would it cease to show who made it? No. It might be harder to see the brush strokes. It might be harder to see the fingerprints of my daughter. In fact, the the mug might be rendered unusable, completely unusable, but it would never cease to reflect something about the one who made it. And so, even if we rebel, even if we say things that aren't good to one another, even if we fight against the church and fight against God, even if we fight against one another, we fight still as image bearers of God. And this is what's so fascinating and so troubling at the same time, that we can use us, God's highest creation, against him. How crazy is that? But in all that rebelling, we need to remember that the image of God is, in us is not lost. Do you know that the person that you're thinking of right now, who just irritates you to no end, to no end? That employee, that coworker who just irks you, who irritates you, or maybe the, maybe your wife or your spouse or your child or your brother, or your sister, or your mom or dad, someone who's close to you and you just you just hate, you have so much anger towards them. Even that person that you never, ever help or want to help or pray for even, that person is valued by God just as much as you are. For that person also holds the image of God in their lives. And this is especially true as believers. We need to understand that God has been recreating you throughout your saved life. Do you know that? At the moment that you met Jesus Christ, he's not going to say, all right, you're saved, so you got your ticket to heaven. I'm going to leave you. No, no, no. He says, because you're saved, you got a responsibility now. In fact, he's saying, I got a responsibility over you. I'm going to whip you into shape. I'm going to refine you and reshape you, and I'm going to change you, and I'm going to transform you perfectly until one day we'll be conformed into the perfect likeness of our creator and savior, Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, if, in fact, you profess in the lordship of Jesus Christ and you are going through struggles, praise God. For the Lord God is refining you, and he is conforming you, and he is transforming you in the midst of your struggles, in the midst of your hardships. Why? Because the end product will be you will be a brilliant display of Christ Jesus. That is our goal. That is our goal. And that's why we can't curse each other and still bless God, because if you were to curse someone who has the image of God, you are, in fact, cursing God himself. So make a note of that. The moment you want to say something about that person, no matter how much they've hurt you, know this, that, that person also holds is the image bearer of God. Secondly, and really lastly, We cannot curse one another and still bless God because the things we say is actually an expression of our own hearts. Now, this is an interesting point that James makes now. And the emphasis is the word cannot. We cannot bless God and curse one another. See, when we praise God and then turn around to curse one another, it's entirely inconsistent. But here's the reality it's entirely not just inconsistent, but it is entirely impossible to be able to do that. And so James, he gives an illustration. The spring of water in verse 11, he points out that the spring cannot give out both fresh and salt water. And in verse 12, a salt water water spring cannot produce fresh water. Now let's think about this for a moment, okay? If the spring is salty, then it's salty, right? Period. If it's polluted, then it is polluted, And if some fresh water were somehow to enter into that channel of of the salt water, then that fresh water would become polluted. Here's the thing. Any common source can only produce one kind of water. You guys get that? Okay. Only one can produce only one kind of water, and so much in the same way, so is the tongue. Because both blessing and cursing really come from one common source. Can you guess where? Mouth The heart. You get that? There's one common source for every single person who has ever existed. Any words that come out, whether they're blessings or whether they're curses, whether they're positive words or negative words or edifying words or discouraging words, all come from one source, and that is your heart your heart. And so while cursing others and blessing God, it may seem like right now an inconsistency. Yeah, how can you bless God if you're willing to curse one another? It's an inconsistent thing. It's contradictory. If you really think about it, it's not contradictory. It's not an inconsistency. It's an impossibility. Because they're all coming from one source, which means that if our tongues are producing pollution and thereby cursing one another, then we must also deduce that our praise to God, no matter how edifying it may sound, no matter how theologically grounded it might be, no matter how wonderful and poetic and articulate it might be, our praises to God are also polluted. Does that make sense? It is not an inconsistency jumping back and forth, it is in fact an impossibility. It's simple. A fig tree doesn't bear olives. A grapevine doesn't bear figs. In other words, as is the root, so is the fruit. Friends, brothers and sisters, you see, this isn't about, this isn't just about making sure you guard your words. This message is far deeper than that. It's not just about guarding your words and and saying uplifting things to one another so that you'll feel at peace when you do say praises to God. The impact of what James is saying here may seem like a little inconsistency, which if I were to be honest, even I deal with because it's common to everyone. But James here is highlighting, what James here is highlighting is not that we're all prone to inconsistencies, cursing one another and blessing God. It's not that, but that... This really exposes the hopeless condition of our hearts. You see, it is not only inconsistent, but it is impossible that from our one source, our hearts, can both words of praise to God and words of cursing each other come uh, come forward. So, what is God saying then? What is the implication? If, if it's not an inconsistency and rather it's an impossibility because it's coming from such a wretched source, then does that mean we just stop altogether? Does that mean we just stop praising God? Does that, or does that mean we try to muster up everything we can to say fake pleasantries to one another? No. God is not saying that. He's in fact warning us right now. God, He's confronting us right now with this harsh truth of the hopeless condition of our hearts. But God also holds before you the grace of God in Christ Jesus. You see, yes, I'll be the first one to admit, guys, my heart is deeply rotten. Our hearts are deeply rotten, more so than we could ever have guessed, and it's from a rotten, evil heart that erupts all kinds of inconsistency, all kinds of corruption and lies and falsehoods and deceit. But it's because of our impossible state of our hearts that Jesus came to restore us and to renew us. You get that? You see, Jesus did not come just to pay for your sins. Jesus came to give us a new heart. We are renewed every time we confess our need for Him. We are renewed every time we confess our trust in Him. We are renewed every time we acknowledge the weakness and the, and the, and the, and the, the, the fakeness and the brokenness of our hearts that He then promises that His Spirit in us will become a fountain of pure living water springing up from within us. Brothers and sisters, don't just think you can change your wording to sound more consistent. Don't you see it's deeper than that? It's a heart issue. And the only way to get to the root of our hearts is to go before the only one who can renew us, Jesus. Go to him day by day, moment by moment. You see the gossiping that happens so often in ministry and in churches and in families and in relationships the slandering that's so that's so common and frequent in our lives and in church the negativity of members even within our church let me say this it will never go away it will not go away if we simply try to hold our tongues It will not go away even if you just try to say good things and force yourself to be optimistic and positive and give a smile and say, yeah, there you go. I'm praying for you. I'm loving you. That stuff will not go away. But only when we go in repentance before God each and every day and cry out for his grace and mercy, Lord, it is not the inconsistencies. Rather, it is the impossibility of my heart to give anything good. So therefore, renew me in the name of Jesus. Renew me in the name of Jesus. As the psalmist cried out, created me a clean heart, O God. That is what we need. That is what James is saying. It's not about curse words. It's not even about words of blessing. It's about a heart that's renewed by Christ or a heart that is not. And you cannot have it both ways. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this would have been yet another lesson for us, that the things that we struggle with are not just things that we struggle with, but the things that are simply the byproducts of a condition, Lord, that we are plagued with, the condition of death, the condition of complete depravity that our hearts cannot make and do anything good. Therefore, our words, as words that we, that we say to one another on a daily basis that may sound good, Lord, if our hearts are dead, so are our words. For Lord, it is in Christ Jesus, in you, my Savior and my Lord, that where my heart once was rotten and filthy, you have made anew. You have recreated me. You have transformed me. And yes, Lord, I may slip up here and there. Yes, Lord, I may say things that are not edifying. Yes, Lord, there are moments in my life where I do fall and I do buy into the deceptions and the lies of the world. But Lord, I know that my heart is not something that I was able to do, but rather something that you gave me. And because you gave me this new heart, Lord, I know that I can trust in your eternal security. But Lord, I pray that with a renewed heart that many Christians, all Christians have, that you would help us to understand that it is each and every day that we must go to you and confess and repent for a renewed heart. To help us wipe away the smudge and the filth, Lord, that creeps up into our lives every single day because we are still living here in this fallen, broken world but that we would be replenished by your spirit every day. That we will be reminded of your grace every day. That we would refall upon before your mercy every day. Lead us, I pray, Father, that we would understand that it is far deeper than what we think. Friends, if you do not know Christ, if He is not your Lord and Savior, then does not matter how well you spin your words, they will come from a source of wickedness and it will never be received by God. But if you submit and accept the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, your hearts will be made new. You will be eternally transformed from the inside out and you will be adopted as a child of God and where every single day you will have the glorious opportunity to become right and made right with him. Brothers and sisters, I want to give you guys another moment. And friends, I want to give you guys an opportunity here to pray. Maybe this may be your very first time praying to God. Maybe you're still not sure exactly how to pray to God. But the first thing to do is to admit, yeah, God, I can't do anything. Is to admit your brokenness, to admit our inadequacies and our failures. But trust that though there is absolutely no way we can perfectly approach a perfect God, it is through Jesus Christ, the perfect one, who qualifies us and bridges that gap. So let's pray.